Reading now from the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding mill together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I like to be on time. And by that I mean precisely on time. Being early is, to me, preferable to being late. But I'd most prefer to be on time. Because if you're early, you've missed an opportunity to do some things you could have done when you were being on time. My preference for being on time usually results, or at least often results, in being late. Because I think I can get this one more thing done and go to do that one more thing and it takes longer than I anticipated and I end up being late. Or I think I can take care of this thing and while I'm doing that someone comes in and we need to talk and that takes longer than I had planned for and end up being late. So I realize that aiming to be on time is like living on the edge. It's dangerous, especially when there are others involved. I know where my shoes are. (laughs) So I know that when I need to go, I can find my shoes and I can leave. But there are people in this world, younger people, who don't always know where their shoes are and that it's not exactly a priority for them. They seem to not realize it's important to have shoes when it's time to leave and that can put you very much behind. So it's good if you want to be on time to have a plan to know where your shoes are and be able to put them on to to have a sense of when you need to arrive. Of course, you have to know when the event begins. You have to know what you're working back from. If you know what time you're supposed to arrive somewhere, then you can plan for how long it takes to find shoes and how long it takes to get everybody to the car and how long it takes to give everything together that you need to get together in order to be on time. You do everything you can to make for a smooth departure so that you can reduce the risk of being late. But none of that would matter if you don't know what time the thing you're going to begins. There's no way for you to back up and make a plan if you don't know when you're supposed to arrive. What do you do 
when you don't know exactly when it's all going down. The more Jesus said about his return, the more anxious the disciples got about when it would all go down. They wanted to be on time. They didn't want to be late. So they knew if he would tell them when, a day, a time, then they could do what they needed to do in order to get ready. They could, they could figure this thing out. They also knew that, and Jesus knew this of them, that if they didn't have a date and time, they would start to supply one for themselves. They'd become very predictive. They'd, they'd try to do some kind of calculus based on what he had told them. Wonder which wars and which famines and, and which earthquakes were going to be the trigger. Which false prophets would set this whole thing into motion. They do their best to put it all together and try to guess that day when he would return so they could be ready on time. Well, Jesus knew that the disciples wanted to know. So he said it as plainly as he could. Even I don't know. Only the Father knows. All I know, Jesus said, is that it'll be something like those days of Noah. The day will surprise some. Some will be eating and drinking. Some will be working in the field. Some will be marrying and giving in marriage. It's going to be like that. It's going to be like the days of, of Noah. People are going to be busy doing the things they do. And God will show up. And some will be ready. And some won't. Some will notice that God showed up. And some won't. There's been a lot of conjecture about Noah's story. Writers make assumptions about what was going on. So often we hear these things that we begin to think they're biblical. I've heard so many times that, that Noah's neighbors thought he was ridiculous. That he was a fool. They wondered what he was up to. I've heard that so often. I went back to read Genesis to see what it was they actually said to him. It turns out that Noah's neighbors never speak in the Bible. The only mention we have of them is when they're washed away. They don't say anything about his unusually large boat, his growing stockpile of animals. Nothing. But I looked a little more because I wanted to know how it was that Noah knew when no one else did. Why was Noah prepared when the others weren't? We're told that Noah found favor in God's eyes. And that soon thereafter, God approached Noah. God told Noah what was coming. He told Noah how to prepare and he told him to get moving. So despite not knowing when it would happen, Noah got moving. God said, build an ark. 
Noah built an ark. God said, gather. Noah gathered. God said, get on the ark. Noah got on the ark. In the story, all we know that Noah knew was to obey. Because at any moment, God might show up. It's curious to me that we interpret the possibility of Jesus' return as something to fear. It might say something about how we live, but I don't think it says anything about the God we know. Consider the God that Noah knew. God favored Noah, appeared to Noah, spared Noah. When God thought the whole world needed to be washed clean, Noah and his family were saved. The same God entered into covenant with Abraham and ever since has shown his favor. When God's people struggled to obey, God chastised. But when they suffered, God's heard, God heard their cries and responded, liberated them. When God's people showed mercy, God blessed them. When they've needed mercy, God's granted it. Noah's God, Abraham's God, Moses' God, David's God has shown up. And the results have been good. Consider the God we know in Jesus Christ. He showed up in the flesh. And the results were good. The results were good for those Jesus taught. The results were good for those Jesus healed. The results were good for those Jesus liberated. The results were good for those Jesus forgave. God showed up in Jesus and the results were always good. So since that's the God we know, all I know to do is to hold fast to the experiences of God we've had. To know like Noah, and Abraham, and Moses, and David, and those to whom Jesus showed mercy. All I know to do is to trust that the same God who came then and the God who came in Jesus is going to be the God who comes back to be among us. So I refuse to live in fear. I'm not going to fear Jesus' return. I'm going to anticipate it. The best way I know to anticipate something is to look for glimpses of it. To look for God's appearances even before Jesus returns. God appeared before Jesus was born. And God has appeared in the 2,000 years since Jesus' resurrection. Yes, we await the full consummation of the kingdom of God, what we call the second coming, but that in no way implies that we've been without Jesus' presence, God's presence since He was resurrected. There may not have been trumpets or the Son of Man riding in on a cloud. But God has been here. God's appearance has been made known. Since we conjecture so much about what Noah's neighbors had to say to him, let me suggest this about why Noah knew to obey. 
I don't think Noah's first encounter with God was when God said, go and build an ark. I know for sure Noah's wife's first encounter was not when God said, go build an ark. If that had been the case, Noah and a whole lot of animals, but not much family, would have been on that ark. She would not have signed on for that vacation. The story presumes that there is a relationship between God and Noah. And so does Jesus' return. His return is predicated on a relationship between God and Jesus' followers. And in both cases, the relationship is ongoing. Relationships are based on what's been experienced. And they lead to what is to come. But they're built on what happens in between. The best way I know to be prepared for Jesus' return is to look for God around every corner. It's to build that relationship in the everyday. Jesus wasn't warning us against marrying, giving in marriage, about, against eating or drinking, against working in the field or grinding meal. These are the activities of life. Jesus wasn't suggesting that we stop doing life. He was suggesting that we look for God while we are doing life. The everyday life can be a grind. There are times when we think, is this all there is? We feel like we're spinning wheels and getting nowhere, sometimes falling behind. I imagine those people who grind meal wonder what working their fingers to the bone is really doing for anyone. Certainly we who go to a store with a hundred bread options don't think much of those who've done some work to get that bread there. But we'd think of them if the bread didn't arrive. And my guess is that, that if those who worked to make bread possible thought that one day somebody might take a piece of that bread and realize I have God's presence in my hands, then maybe they'd find some deep meaning and what they've done. And I imagine that if you and I went about our daily work and we thought some moment in life somebody might experience the love of God and Jesus Christ through what I'm about, it might give a little more meaning to what we're up to. And I think that if we who go about our daily routine hold out that that our surprising God might be around any corner, that God might be among us or through us or in that person next to us, then we, like Noah, might approach God less afraid, less surprised that God is here and be more grateful that the God we hoped we knew is the God we're coming to know. The God who came to be known is the same God who is coming again. So don't worry about when He's coming. Get to know God now. Because when you don't know the time and you want to be on time, you've got to be ready for any time. 
So now is the time to be ready for the God who shows up all the time.